Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Malone in the trenches. I want to talk to you today about the proper care and feeding of a minister. Hey everybody, so good to have you back with us in the trenches. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, kind of a part two of how not to burn out, but about our spiritual diet, about our spiritual well-being. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, above everything, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Uh, for everything flows from it, the new, the new international, international version says. There is a continual feast to the person who has a merry heart, we're told in the scripture. But those who are of a broken spirit, no one can bear that. And so one of the things that we have to do is make sure that our, our spirit man, that our the hidden man of the heart, as Peter calls him, is healthy. And you can't read enough concordances and Bible um, sermon books and commentaries to do that. You really can't memorize enough scripture to do that. There's not enough works that you can do to do that. But you have to get into the very presence of God, and you have to feed on Him and Him alone. And so I want to talk to you a little bit today. I've been doing ministry now for over 30 years in different capacities, and a lot of times I've been finding significance in insignificant places. Uh, every once in a while, I get to do something cool like preach for like 3,000 people or something, but most of the time it's just me and a few dozen people uh, trying to trying to make sure everybody makes it to heaven and uh, that we all stay saved and sane in the, in the meantime, right? And so uh, you go through lots of different things, but one of the problems that we have is that we don't have our foundation upon where we started. Uh, I think about Saul. Saul was uh, called to be the king of Israel. Then he got out and uh, made some mistakes, and his mistakes were all based upon fear of the people. He blamed the people. He was sent out with a simple job, wipe out the Amalekites, and when he came back, Samuel says, what is this bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? You were supposed to destroy everything. He said, no, 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 but we, we kept this to make a sacrifice. Well, the people the people wanted to do this. And so he had this fear of the people, and, and, uh, and Samuel said something so powerful because he told him, he said, when you were... When God called you, you were small in your own eyes. But see, now he's got a reputation. There's no debt like reputation. There's no burden like a reputation that you have to hold. Jesus was a man of no reputation. And, um, and there's something about when you have to live up to your own publicity. You've been introduced as a great man of God, great woman of God. You've been introduced as the servant, servant of the Lord, that you are the... Um, you know, the, uh, the minister of great faith and power. And then you feel like you have to live up to that. You have to, you have to push. And so one of the things that begins to happen is we begin to look to the people for our approval and the people for our, uh, to, to affirm our ministry that are we making a difference? Are we doing anything? And uh, I think it's interesting because I find myself sometimes looking out and thinking, man, I really want to make more of a difference. I want to make, I want to see changes. I want to change the world, which thank God we, we, I want you to, to want that. And I think it's good. I think God's pleased with our desire to see change happen. But one of the problems that I have is that I followed Jesus because he called me. Not for any guarantee of any blessing or anything just like Peter leaving the nets, you know, 
he had some misconceptions that he was going to be at the right hand of glory and all this. And, and, and he came to find out that what it was about was carrying a cross. And the truth is, I love Jesus more than I love ministry. And my identification is in Jesus, not in ministry. And we look over in, in, in John chapter 15 where Jesus says, Abide in me and let my words abide in you. And you'll bear much fruit. And he goes on and says this. He said, because I chose you. I chose you that you might bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. We've got to go back to the fact that he chose us, to the fact that he called us, to the fact that we're following him because we're following him. We're not following him because of what he's doing or because of what he promised us or because of position or fame or whatever. If no one remembers my name, I want to follow Jesus. Uh, you know, I want to be just as blessed to be used by him as to be set aside by him. If he wants to set me aside and put me on the, on the, on the shelf and just let me sit there for the next decade, that's his prerogative. But if, some, if that depresses you, if that upsets you, if that triggers you, then you're not abiding in Christ. Because the idea that no matter where I am, my fellowship is with him and my joy is in him and my peace is in him. And that, you know what, no matter what happens, whether anybody hears another message that I preach or anybody knows my name or anybody remembers me when I'm gone, every day that I walk with Jesus is a day that I'm closer to him, a day that I can have one more day of hearing his voice, of, of drawing from the richness of who he is. You know, I, I think about how God has called us. You know, it says in, in Hebrews that by a new and living way, we enter into the holy place uh, through the blood of Jesus. And so the thing is, when Jesus died for us, he died for us to bring us into the presence of God. He died for us to enter the holy place and to enter the presence of God. He died for us to, to uh, as it says uh, in, you know, in Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Did you know your salvation was not a legal transaction to make sure that you don't go into eternal hell? Your salvation was you being prepared to enter into the presence of God, whereas you could not come into the Holy of Holies until you've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, till you've been saved, till you've been redeemed. And I remember that being enough. I remember when that was enough, just the fact that I was lost and now I'm found and, and life was great no matter what. And if I got to share, I shared Jesus everywhere I could in every way I could. But what happened was I got so good at sharing Jesus. I started getting invited to preach at churches and do different things. And then, you know, church boards wanted to hire me as their pastor or youth pastor or whatever happened. And uh, over a while, it became my vocation, my, my career not just my calling. And at that point, I started getting dissatisfied with where I was and what was going on because there was always somebody doing something better. And there was always this comparison thing. And, uh, and I'm naturally very competitive. I'm very ambitious. And, uh, and that can be a burden. That can be a burden when you're called to walk with Jesus because you've got to go back to the place. You know, I read Psalm 1. 
Psalm chapter one talks about I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You know that the that the righteous are like a tree planted by the rivers of water, ready to produce their fruit in season, and their leaves don't fade or wither. Okay, well, what's the thing about being planted by the the river is that the roots go into a source. There's there's a source of water there. Your roots dig into that source. And even though the land may be parched, even though there's a dry season, you always see these strip of green along the river, even in the driest places, uh, because the roots go into a source. Well, if if your roots are digging into the source of achievement, you're going to hit some dry places. And you're going to crash and burn. You're going to be uprooted. You're going to burn out. You're going to quit the ministry, and you're going to be one of those statistics. If if your roots go into the into the roots or into the ground of affirmation from the people, or needing to be needed, or having a title or position or respect or any of those things, then then you got to really guard your heart. Your roots are de- in the wrong place because it, when Jesus is your satisfaction. When you literally can say, in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy, then everything else is just details. It's all details. And so I want to talk to you about, here in just a moment, about some practical ways that we get back into that routine of God's presence. Let's get back to the basics. I love reading in the book of Acts where their programs and type things are taken off. They're feeding the widows. You know, a good idea could turn into a program which can turn into a nightmare (laughs) pretty soon if you don't watch out. And they had the dispute in the church over the feeding of the widows and the Hellenist, uh, you know, the Greek-speaking widows were not getting taken care of in the daily feeding program. And and, uh, and so they appointed some, uh, some deacons with some Greek names think it's significant these guys all had greek names because they want them to take care of these greek widows but but the statement that that the apostles made it's not right it's not meat it's not good not right fitting for us to leave the word of god in prayer to go wait tables now obviously we're a servant of all and we believe in servant leadership and we do want to get out there and get ahead of those things and make sure we show people that we serve but in truth in truth as a as a, as a minister of the gospel we way overcomplicate things it comes down to the prayer and the word, the spirit and the word, the, the, your time in God's presence and time in God's word. The word by itself won't do it. I mean, the Bible says they heard the word, but it did not help them. What mixed with faith. OK, you know, the Pharisees heard Jesus preach. You, you know, you have to have the word and you have to have the spirit at the same time. If you don't, you know, if you're all about the spirit and you're not grounded in the word, you're going to be flaky. You know, you're going to be one of those granola Christians, just fruits, nuts and flakes. Uh, But but if you only are about the word and you don't have any experience of God's presence, you're like a museum keeper. You can tell people everything about the situation, but you never experienced it because it's just history. It's just words. And so God's called us into his presence. God's called us into his glory. Now, the, the first thing that I would do is I'd really just repent. I'm telling you, if you're not satisfied with your life, if you're not satisfied with where you are, and you're a believer, that tells me that, well, I'll just make it personal. When I'm not satisfied, I recognize that I've come to the place that Jesus is not enough. 
either two things have happened. One, Jesus is not enough. Or Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy, and I just haven't got enough Jesus going on. I prefer to think the second one. Because I found out that Jesus is everything I need. You know, he gives joy not like the world does. His peace, no one can take it away. His joy, no one can take it away. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. But what happens is, as a minister, the great trick is that we can turn our devotion into our job. That everything we study is for performance. Everything we study is so that we can communicate it to someone else. So we begin to read the Bible to fix other people's problems. We begin to pray, uh, you know, not out of there's a there's a burden there there's a what is the word not the right word is burden but there's stress in there there's anxiety there there's like uh workplace anxiety in our prayer time we're now we're not praying to know him and to seek him we're praying for the offerings to go up we're praying for this building fund to work we're praying that god will talk to that board member or remove that board member, or whatever that we're praying, you know. And we get to, our prayer time gets to be like us and Jesus having a business meeting about the church. And it literally can rob your personal time with God. And um, and we blame the church for that. You know, I know people that have gotten out of the ministry, and they feel like, you know, I just I feel closer to God than I ever have in my life, just loving Jesus and just kind of doing my own thing, you know. Just kind of going to church somewhere and hanging out, and nobody knows who I am. And that's good in the sense that I'm glad that they're getting closer to God. But the truth is, it's not the church that drags us away from God. It's when we make the church to be something it's not supposed to be. When people are getting married, I always tell them that I I love marriage counseling. Uh, One of my jobs when I do marriage counseling is to start a fight. Because uh, if I can talk them out of getting married before they get married, that's great. Because if I can talk them out of it, they shouldn't have got married in the first place. They don't have enough conviction to get married in the face of hard, cold facts. But I know that when you're talking about marriage, you know, you talk to people about marriage and you say, you know what? You're not going to find somebody that makes you happy. Because I ask, why do you want to marry her? Well, she just makes me feel, she just, she just makes me happy. I mean, she just, she just, you know. She does all these things, and there are all these emotional things that this person does. You know, they make me feel, she makes me feel great, makes me feel confident, confident she completes me, all this. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not going to last too long. You know why? Because you're putting too much pressure on her. You're putting too much pressure on him. Ma'am, you're putting too much pressure on that man to make you feel like you're okay. And you're asking him to do something that only God can do. And that's to, that's to complete you, to satisfy the longings of your soul and um, to, to make you feel like you're okay and to prop up your self-esteem. You know, God sends our spouse. You know, God will give you a spouse that will bless you and help you. But the truth is, if you're trying to get your emotional needs met that only God can meet, if you're trying to get those deep inner needs met, that only he can meet from each other. You're going to literally suck the life out of each other until you look at each other one day and go, what are we even doing here? Well, pastors and churches do that. People can do that with pastors, and that's so easy to see, and we, we don't have to talk, tell you. There's people that rely too much on their pastor to do all their praying, all their believing, all their you know studying and everything. But so many times we think that church is going to make us happy. And this church ain't doing it, so maybe the next church will make us happy. If it was a bigger church, or a church in a better community, or a church that just had more of a vision to do X, Y, Z, you know. Uh, and, and 
But the truth is we have to serve Jesus out of joy. What a joy it is that we get. He picked us. He picked you. Like, you know, he looked in the crowd and said, I'll pick you. Follow me. And what joy there is just in following him, just in knowing him, just to just to be able to walk with him and be used by him. And uh, and one of the things that God has dealt with me about, you know, I remember asking a pastor who had started several churches and uh, done really well. And his church had several thousand people and it was just prospering. And um, then, you know, had uh, this was in South Louisiana and the Hurricane Katrina wiped out his congregation. They were scattered all over the country when it was done, you know, just trying to find a place to live, find work. And and so, uh, you know, after they gathered back together, they just had a handful of people. He built it back up again, bigger than before, you know. And I'm like, how do you do this, you know? And I'm waiting for these strategies and for the CEO type stuff. And this guy can teach all the leadership stuff. And he's done John Maxwell conferences and things like that. And uh, But he'd, what he said was, you just pray and obey, man. You got to pray, and then you got to do whatever he says. Talk to Jesus, spend time in prayer, and do whatever he tells you to do. And on the one hand, I was a little frustrated because I really wanted some secret information, you know, some, some inside stuff. But the older I get, the more I realize that's where I miss it. That is where I miss it. That is completely where I miss it when I don't take time to pray and obey. You got to preach out of the overflow. You got to preach out of the overflow. You've got to have a personal devotion that is so full that you're satisfied and blessed. And you don't need to preach and you don't need a church and you don't need any affirmation. You don't need one amen. Okay. You don't need one like on your Facebook post. All right. You don't need one share on your, you know, on your Facebook or one retweet or you don't need, you know, one subscriber on your podcast to make you feel any better because you have been with Jesus and you've enjo- you're enjoying get back to that basic just enjoying Jesus just get away from all the mess and the struggle and when he tells you something you do it now i know you're saying well that's that's just oversimplified no truth is we overcomplicate it because we have this ceo you know, Western corporate mentality of church that's just not found in the scripture. It causes burnout. It causes people to get bitter. It causes people to feel like the church is just a corporation or and everything's just a system and everything's, you know, it's who you know. And, and a lot of that's true. There's a lot of the world system and a lot of man-made ways of doing things that have made their way into the church. And the truth is, as a believer, we have to do a couple things real well. We have to hear from God, and we have to obey God. We have to do those two things. And, uh, you know, the first place I would go is I would repent. I'd rebuild that altar, man. you got to rebuild that altar. And the altar is a place of repentance. Um, if I've let my spiritual walk slip, then I always have to come back and say, you know, I've, like I've had to do that recently because with all the uh, coronavirus thing going around and my, my regular work getting crashed and burned and had to take work elsewhere that I normally wouldn't have, but you take whatever you can get in a crisis. And i uh, been working a lot more hours for a lot less money. <laughs> so uh, it's been frustrating. It's been tiring. It's been physically taxing. It's been emotionally taxing, you know, just all the different things going on. And I realized that in my schedule completely changed, my routine completely changed, and my personal devotion just fell out. Just 
I realized that, you know, without the, you know, you throw my schedule out and all of a sudden I'm not finding the time to do the things that I know I need to do to be healthy. And it began to show, I began just a lack of vision, lack of passion, just thinking, man, you know, what's wrong with me? And I realized, well, I'm not spending, I'm not seeking Jesus. And the problem is even that you can get into a works mentality and you can be just punching your spiritual time clock. You know, and, and by the way, if you pray 18 hours a day, God didn't know you nothing. You know, if you memorize the entire Bible, God doesn't know you anything. This is not works. This is not merit points. This is not us trying to please God or get or, or earn something from God. This is just us enjoying his presence and drinking deep of his presence, of his fellowship. Just loving Jesus and letting him love on us. And from that intimacy... There is birthed ministry. From that intimacy, there's birthed ministry. And we have to be intimate with Jesus. We have to listen to Jesus. We have to spend time with Jesus. We have to clear our schedule and let him, let him you know, have his way in, in us. And I know for me, you start with, by rebuilding the altar. You rebuild the altar with repentance. You rebuild the altar by saying, God, forgive me for allowing this to happen. And, uh, you know, for allowing myself to, to, to just get cold, for allowing myself to get separated from you and not take that time with you. And then I get, I'm a very inspirational, free-flowing kind of um, spontaneous kind of guy. That's how I like to roll. I like to wait till I get there and see, see the situation firsthand and then make a plan. <laughs> that's that's and it works for me. I could do it really well. Like I show up, people are like, "What do we do?" Well, here, let's do this. Well, you know, I'm I'm really good at doing things. I like to evaluate, go with my gut feeling, and go with it. Well, it's the problem is that when you're when you're when that's no longer working for you, you have to go, and sometimes you have to break tendencies to get your habits back right. Maybe you're super structured and you need to throw your, your schedule out the window and just spend some time in the presence of God alone and just worship him until you begin to, you know, just really open your heart and begin to pour out your heart before him in, in maybe a way that's not so structured and not so organized. With me, it's the opposite. I've got to break the tendency of, um, you know, my, my free-flowing do-it-as-we-go-along uh, has gotten me off the rails now. And so I'll set a timer. I'm like, I'm going to pray for an hour. I'm going to read my Bible for an hour. That's why I'm fixing to pray, pray for an hour, then read the scripture for an hour. And, uh, and it sounds religious, but, you know, I found out that it, it, I'll forget that timer. <laughs> I'll go for two hours, you know, just, just because you get in that flow. But sometimes you think you've really done something, and when you measure it, well, I prayed 13 minutes. It seems like I prayed for an hour, but it's only been 13 minutes. And so I've got to prime the pump. I guess that'd be the second thing I'd tell you is prime the pump. Is uh, spiritual Your spiritual appetite is different from a natural appetite. That When you quit feeding spiritually, you quit being hungry spiritually on a surface level. Like, you, you know, there's this deep dissatisfaction that begins to grow in your spirit. You can't quite put your finger on it, right? But in but when you do start reading your Bible, you're like, man, I'm not getting anything out of this. 
You start praying, you're like, dude, I'm kind of running out of things to pray about. And you feel like you're just talking to the ceiling. Well, you got to break through that. You got to press through that. You got to pray until you, you got to pray through until you get a breakthrough. You got to pray till you hit a gusher. Man, have you ever been praying and, uh, and just talking to God? And all of a sudden, there's this free flow of prayer that just comes out where, like, all of a sudden, it's like you just open your heart and it's like, now you feel like you're having a heart-to-heart conversation with Jesus. It's like that sky's just open and you're just talking to him about stuff and getting real with him. You need to you need to press in until you press through the veil of the flesh. You need to press through the flesh, press through your emotions, press through the anxiety, press through all the tread that's on you from all the mileage that you've that you've you've gone through. You need to press through all those things until you get into the presence of God. So one is we repent at the build an altar, repent, make a time and say, God, forgive me for letting this slide and I make a commitment to you to do this. And then the second thing you want to do is you build that structure into it that you that you give yourself enough time that you can you got to prime the pump. In other words, you have to have the structure there until it gets to be a free flow again to where that's just a natural like breathing in and breathing out. And it will become a habit again if you've gotten out of it. And um and and so but I also want to talk to you about, you know, the way you interact with the word and the spirit. I, two things People don't listen to God enough when they're praying, and people don't talk to God enough when they're reading their Bible. People don't listen to God enough while they're praying, and they don't talk to God enough while they're reading their Bible. You need to spend as much time listening as you spend talking when you're in prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. And a lot of times we come in with our agenda, and we just blow out all these words, and then we're done, and we're like, okay, Jesus, you know, See you next time. But we need to get in there and sure, pour out your heart. Sure. But then get quiet and listen to your, your heart. Listen to that inward, that inward part of you where Jesus speaks to you, that still small voice. And he will speak to you. And you are one word from God from being changed forever. You are one word from God from being changed forever. You just need one, you know, this is what Jesus even talked about, you know, in Deuteronomy, he quoted Deuteronomy saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But that word, word is rhema, which means a spoken word. It wasn't the logos, it was the, the rhema. You can read the logos all day long, but if, if you're studying that logos, you're looking for a rhema. You're looking for you know, like you've heard the old statement, just it just like it jumped off the page. You know, you're just studying, you're being diligent, you're feeding on the word, you're renewing your mind with the word. But in the middle of all that, there is a now word. There is a word for today that just boom, you're like, man, and you're circling it. You're like, man, when did, where'd that come from? I don't even know if I read that before, you know, or, or I've read that a million times and never saw this. And I'll see something I never saw. And, and you need to stay in the word till you get that now moment. Well, you need to stay in prayer the same way that there's a word from God. So when you're praying, take time to listen. Let him speak to you. Let him give you the commentary about your life. Let him tell you where you are and what you're about. Because you you might be all upset about trying to accomplish something that he's not even doing. And and, and if you listen, he'll put your, you know, the thing that you think you want is not what's going to satisfy you. It's what he puts you here to do. It's the, what you were created to do that will cause satisfaction. So when you're praying, listen. Listen to him. Spend time listening. I believe in praying in the spirit and in the understanding. 
You know, uh, in Acts chapter 2, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues and in foreign languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 that when you pray in the Spirit, you edify yourself. And people say, well, you know, we don't need, we need to focus on this other stuff. He said, in the church, prophesy, but in, at, hey, but look, he said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. Well, because it's in a, it, the biggest point of praying in tongues is not some spiritual display. It is a personal devotion. And so uh, that's an important thing. You pray however you know how to pray. But if you don't, if you're not baptized in the spirit, praying in the spirit, if you're not, if you don't, if God hasn't done that in your life, seek it. He said, covet earnestly the spiritual gifts. It's the only place we're told to covet. Right. And uh, and, and so seek, say, look, you know, uh, Luke 11 says, you know, if, if a father, if a son asks for an a, a egg, will his father give him a scorpion? Even so, the, whole, the, whole, the father keep the Holy Spirit back from those that ask. No, you know, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm asking for the full thing, man. I don't want just a touch or a sprinkle or a little bit. I want the full immersion. I want the full baptism in the Holy Spirit, just like they had in the Bible. Now, we'll talk about that some other time, but I'm telling you, it happened to me. I didn't even know what it was about, but it's an integral part of my prayer life, and it's the fastest way I know to get the presence of God, and um, and that's what this is about. So, but when you're praying, take time to listen. Secondly, I said people don't talk to God enough when they're reading their Bible. When you're reading the Scripture, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to take you on a on a sightseeing tour. The Holy Spirit wants to show you and teach you, because uh, He, you know. He, he inspired it. The, the, the word was spirit inspired. And, uh, and Jesus said, when the spirit comes, he'll lead you and guide you in all truth. And he'll remind you of the things that I said. And so one of the things that I've learned to do at an early age, when I first got saved, I knew David killed Goliath, but I didn't know what the fight was about. I mean, I'd never really been to church in my life, but like once, and they talked about David and Goliath. And um, I wasn't a believer, wasn't raised in church. Uh, had a lot of false ideas, a lot of, heathenism and heresy and all kind of stuff in my in, a, in my environment and I began to read the Bible in self-defense just I wanted to know what was in it and begin to dig it and study into it and I would read something and not understand it and just keep rereading the same passage and what is this and I learned early on to ask Jesus said, said Lord well specifically I talked to the Holy Spirit because it said the Holy Spirit wrote the word I heard that the Holy Spirit was breathed the word it was god breathed it was inspired by the holy spirit so i said holy spirit what did what did what did you mean here holy spirit what does this mean lord show me what this means and god began to speak to me about the word and to give me revelation of the word and begin to change and transform my life through a revelation of the word of god and i remember what an adventure it was when i was 17 18 years old and i spent all my time all my free time studying god's word and praying and and telling people about jesus and opportunities would rise and i'd have people just come up to me and go man what is going on over here you know i i went to my girlfriend's church and she's pentecostal and when i got in there i felt this i just feel something in her church but every time I walk by you, I feel like I'm in that Pentecostal church. What's going on? I said, well, that's Jesus. You want some? He's <laughs> like, yeah. Get to pray with a guy to receive Jesus just because he's like, man, I just feel this thing like I'm in church every time I walk by you. Well, it was just presence of God. And, and, and you know what I found out? 
Jesus said that if I abide in him, I'll bear fruit. He didn't say anything about my five-year plan. He didn't say anything about my organizational structure, about my systems management and all these things. And the truth is those things only work when you have uh, civilization and, and stability. You know, you start locking down the church or you start cracking down on things like they are in Hong Kong right now uh, and different things that happen with coronavirus and all these. We found out that if you disrupt the norm, the systems don't work, but pray and obey still works. Spending time in the presence of God until you were preaching out of the overflow, digging your roots deep into Jesus, you know. And I remember when I had been in church for a couple of years, my pastor sent me down and said, you know what? You are, you're a self-feeder, man. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, I mean, a lot of people, they get in if their family doesn't come to church and they're in a rough environment, they don't make it. Because, I mean, I came by myself. Nobody was coming. I was a teenager, came to church by myself without my family. He said, those people almost never make it. He said, but you're a self-feeder. You, you, have, you have tapped into Jesus for yourself. And you're learning to get what you need from God for yourself. He said, you need to just keep doing that. Keep that up. And sometimes in ministry, we feed on ministry instead of feeding on Jesus. And we replace our relationship with Jesus with a workload at the church. And the way you can tell, Jeremiah says we replaced God with cisterns. We replaced the source of living water with cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. And when you're that, that deep dissatisfaction that deep dissatisfaction and bitterness and it even gets to the point of resentment toward God and toward the church. Those things come out of an idolatry where we literally try to make the church be something it's not supposed to be. Just like I talked about with marriage, that person can't make you happy. Well, that church can't make you happy. And here's the thing. Here's the cool thing is that the source that you need is right there. The source that you need is Jesus. And there's a lot of ministers that need to get back to the place of just being glad to walk with Jesus. And you know what I found out is that I've, I've been, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm back at that place where I'm just simplify, simplify, simplify. I sense God doing some great things in, in my church. I sense God opening up some great opportunities and doors of ministry. And the thing that God's really been doing with me is just drawing me back and saying, you need to simplify. And so I would do two things while reading the word. I would talk to God about what does this mean? And secondly, I would begin to speak. I would begin to speak the word over myself and over my situations. I would begin to pray the word over myself and my situations. I'm reading in Hebrews three and Paul's praying for this church. And I begin to pray for myself and pray for my church. So Lord, I pray that I'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and that the eyes of my understanding would be opened, would be flooded with light. I pray that I would come to know the hope of your calling, the glory of your inheritance of the saints. You know, I just begin to pray over these things. And, and where it says 
you know, it's no longer I, but Christ that live. I begin to speak that over myself. Father God, I thank you that it's no longer I, but Christ that lives. Christ lives in me. That, that, that the one who lives in me is the one who gave himself for me. He loved me and gave himself for me. And that's the one that operates in my life, that I'm not manifesting my old nature. I'm not manifesting my fallen nature. I'm not manifesting my upbringing, but I'm manifesting Jesus everywhere I go, that it's Jesus that's manifesting. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And I begin to speak. And he said, well, that sounds crazy or radical or whatever. I'm telling you it works. It works because this word is the sword of the spirit. Well, the, the word is made to be spoken. The word is made to be spoken. You hear the word, you speak the word. It's like breathing in and breathing out. Same thing with prayer. You need to pray and you need to listen. Guess what? You need to listen to the word of God and then you need to begin to speak and share the things that God's given you and you begin to act on those things and speak and speak those things into your life. The Bible says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Well, if God can frame up the whole universe with the word, he can frame up your life and your ministry with the word. And so I want to encourage you today that that we need to be diligent to get in the word of God. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you're listening to this podcast, but it's by no means, uh, this is the cherry on top of the, you know, this is just like a cherry on the top of the ice cream or something. It's a little something extra, but it's not going to, it's not the steak and potatoes that's going to make you strong. Because uh, all I can do is just point back to the word, the word, the word, the word, prayer. Get in the presence of God. You need to get in the glory of God every day. I don't care how long it takes you. You need to get in the glory of God every day. You need to get in the presence of God every day. Because how can you take the people where you're not going? If you're not getting in God's presence, you're not going to lead his people into the, into the presence of God. And the thing that I found out is that when you're doing those things, you get that vision from heaven that says, hey, go without doubting. And preach the gospel. You get that, you know, word from God, go to a street called Straight and inquire of one named Saul of Tarsus. You know, God will speak to you. God's not, God is more ambitious to win people than you are. God is anxious to build his church. And that's one of the things we get into is we try to build the church and we try to spend all this time studying uh, these leadership methods and self-help methods and all these different strategies and how do they do it at this church and small group methodology and all these things, which I'm very interested in. But we start doing those things to build his church. Whereas Jesus said in Matthew, he said, look, he said, I build my church. He said, I build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not stand against it. Jesus builds the church. So we get into this church building idea and we begin to build it with the timbers of, uh, of, of organizational structure and of systems and all those things like that. And, and the truth is those things can help support a God-breathed vision, but they in themselves cannot be a God-breathed vision. The only thing that can happen is you have to understand Jesus is building his church. And Jesus doesn't tell us how he's going to build his church. He just tells us to pray and obey. He just tells us to abide in him and we will bear fruit, to follow in him. And that those that are not abiding in him will wither and burn up or burn out, as we say. And so here's the thing that I find most 
interesting is life is really an adventure when you're following Jesus because he does not tell you what he's going to do next very often. And when he does, it's just snippets. He doesn't tell you enough for you to go and make your five-year plan. You just know to be ready when he calls you and he will put you into action. Now, there's some things he'll tell you to do and strategies he'll tell you to do. And I mean, I believe God can tell you to, to build a building. God can tell you to sell your building and meet in houses. I mean, whatever. God can prepare you and speak to you as the leader of an organization. But you have to, first of all, be a believer, a Christian. Before you can minister to anybody else, you've got to minister to Jesus. Before you can know anybody, tell anybody else, you've got to know Jesus, right? You've got to hear from Jesus. And so we need to interact with the Word and prayer the way we did when we got in. Go back to the beginning. Go back to where it was when you really got on fire for God. Go back to where it was when your heart burned for him and there was a simplicity to it and there was, it wasn't so complicated. And just, for, just, just become a person of no reputation. Quit caring what anybody thinks about you. Quit caring about what, what, are the, what if the board votes me out. Who cares if the board votes you out? If, 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 you know, if God puts you there, he can keep you there. But if you finagled your way in there, if you talked your way in there, if you PowerPointed your way in there, you're gonna have to that's what you're gonna have to do to stay in there. And the truth is that you need to be, hey, my future belongs to Jesus. And I'm totally like Paul said, the bond servant of the Lord. And I want to encourage you today to go back to, to the old paths. Dig again the ancient wells. Because there's a freshness that's waiting on you. You're one word from God from being changed forever forever it's time to preach out of the overflow that you're getting fed and you're enjoying your time with jesus until you're so full that what that the people just get the overflow it, it, don't don't be given don't be digging just to try to find a sermon on saturday night don't be in that situation but be so full be so full that just just the daily devotional you have has enough richness that you can share a Sunday morning message without even having to conjure anything up without having to, God forbid, go on the internet and borrow one from somebody else. Right. But I want to encourage you that you take care of yourself, guard your heart, let God speak into you, take a praise vacation. Anytime during the day you need to go in that prayer closet, you know, get away from everybody else. And the God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. You know, Paul says, take heed to yourself and the prayer and the reading of the word. And by taking heed to these things, you will not only save yourself, but those who hear you. So I want to encourage you, fan the flames, stir up the flames. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Fan the flames. Remember the calling. Remember that you stir up the gift that was in you with the laying on of hands of the presbytery of the elders. Begin to get back to that place. I want to encourage you today that God will stir you up. God will stir you up. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for the people who are listening right now. Father God, I thank you that right now this was an appointment from heaven, that you had a plan, you had a strategy, and at this moment, Lord, that you would reveal yourself in a fresh way, in a new way. You are an infinite God. Lord, that we cannot plumb the depths of your knowledge, of your wisdom, of your goodness, of your mercy. God, take us to new levels.
Lord, help us go into a fresh new depth in our worship, in our prayer, in our praise. God, that you would begin to just overflow us with times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord until you return for us. And I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Hey, I'll see you guys again in the trenches. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please give us some good reviews. Put some five-star ratings on there. Share it with a friend. Hit the support button. Help us to buy some new microphones and (laughs) things like that. Uh, And feel free to look. We also have a Facebook page called In the Trenches. And uh, you can check that out. And we're so glad you came. Hope you were blessed. And tune in again. Thanks.